0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for pre Retirement: Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years and proud to say I've never lost one dime in my clients' money. I will share with you secrets I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know about and really have been around for centuries. But because this is such a huge subject, I invite some amazing guests And today, I'm honored to have Sandy Botkin. He's a CPA, tax attorney, former trainer of IRS attorneys, nationwide, lecturer for Tax Reduction Institute, and author of Lower Your Taxes Big Time, and Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. I'm really excited to have you on this show today, Sandy.
1: Oh, I'm I'm very honored to be here, too
0: you are just a wealth of information and have this some fantastic books out that really nobody like i say the top 1% people don't know what you're talking this book achieve financial freedom big time it, it's amazing it's full of full of so much information how how does some how does a regular person wrap around this how can they really comprehend um, what is the IRS code book is something like 17,000 pages?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. People hear that and they go, oh, all right, there's nothing I can do, and they kind of put it out of their mind. You know, it's true. The IRS code is very long, not to mention the fact there's all kinds of regulations and rulings. But here's the important point. You know, if people understood the the the, the, uh, the laws in the typical state has almost as many pages as the IRS code. Yet they don't. They, all they have to know is the driver's license rules, for example, what the, what you need to drive. The IRS code has things for banks, which you don't need to know, and insurance companies, and foreign personal holding companies, and and all kinds of other stuff. Tax exempt organization. So there's really for the average person. There's only a relatively small portion of that code that's applicable to them. And that's what I focus on, so it's a lot, it's more manageable. But you're right, if people think of this whole code, they think, oh, how am I going to understand it? That's because they don't really need to know 90% of it.
0: You know, it and and what you need to know and what you don't need to know is is nobody's being taught. For example, you were giving me some amazing statistics before we started talking about um, how ready people are when they retire.
1: The sad part is they're not. That that's really the sad part. Right. Uh I I I was on watching CNBC. This was on August 18th, 2014. So you got a pretty recent uh, uh, thing. Yeah. And what they said was what the the interviewer's commentators said was that roughly 12% of the people who are retiring who think they have enough money don't have enough to retire for the rest of their life. 12%. Wow. I mean that is just just shocking uh, uh he, well, and, and part of that reason is that you know when people were my, when my dad had a job and my grandfather he worked for a companies that gave him a pension there was a study recent study where 20% of all companies now provide pensions very few provide a pension I and mean, that's the bad news the good news is that with proper tax planning and financial planning if people you know give us some time and let let us help them Many, many more people can achieve that twelve percent, much more than twelve, or be in that category. The problem is most people don't do that. I mean, if, if a person listening to this, ask yourself a question: Where do you spend more time, planning your vacation or planning to reduce your taxes? Ten will get you one. It's planning your vacation.
0: Right. Exactly. And you know, earlier you were telling me what was his name? John Potter, the head of. The-
1: yep, John Potter. Interesting. Another another interesting story this guy is president, current president of the American Institute of CPAs. And he has said something that I have said for years that I've noticed. I just didn't have the statistics, but I knew it was the case. And that is Americans are overpaying their taxes. There is no question about that. And they're overpaying basically for three reasons. The first reason is lack of knowledge. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And that's, the num- that's probably the number one reason. The second reason is procrastination. You know, I, I, I people fall into two categories. I, when I've lectured around the country for about over 30 years, they either are not taking all the deductions they're supposed to be taking or they're taking more deductions, still not taking them all, but uh, they don't have the right documentation because of procrastination. And it's kind of like a... a um, an alarm clock. If you don't have something, an alarm set in the morning, you don't wake up for your appointment. But if you don't have something triggering you to write down the things you need to write down, for example, uh, auto mileage log, uh, entertainment questions, travel questions, and so on, you don't do it. So procrastination is a major killer of deductions. And the third reason they overpay their taxes is is fear the IRS. And the sad part is they really don't need to fear them because with proper tax planning and having a good tax tracker... There's nothing IRS is going to do for them. It hurt them at all. You know, it's kind of like driving on a highway. You see somebody with a, a radar detector. If you're going the speed limit, what's he you going to do? Right. That's my point. Whereas if you're going fast, and you don't, then, then you might pull you over. But same thing. If you have the right documentation, there's nothing IRS is going to do to you. But again, people don't think it that way. They think, oh, IRS, I'm scared, so let's not take any deductions. So, I mean, it's, people are just way overpaying their taxes, and that's, that's a huge killer of finances.
0: Wow, that's you know, that's incredible. And then you, and then you were telling me also about fifty percent of people only leverage their four hundred one k's.
1: Oh yeah, I, when I was writing my book, Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, I came across some really scary statistics. And it, it, in fact, it, it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, for example, four hundred one k's. Many of these four hundred one k's have uh, have company matching type of things, and yet fifty percent of the people don't take advantage of all of the company matching. They're actually giving away free money. They're losing out on that because they don't max their 401k in enough to get the company matching. As crazy as that sounds, that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. In fact, I'll tell you something else that's interesting. Um, you know, you read about all, all this stuff going on with TurboTax, you know, you have, right, these days you, you see all these ads with TurboTax and Microsoft Money and H&R Block tax yeah. cut, and there's a whole bunch of tax software out there. And here's the interesting thing that most people don't realize. Do a search on Google. And if you do a search, you're going to find that IRS did a study. It's, it's there. It's on Google. And they found that people who do their own tax return have over twice the error rate of those who use a professional account. Twice the error rate. Which means there are plenty of deductions they're not taking, plenty of documentation that's lacking in support, all kinds of things. Now, IRS knows they have over twice the error rate. So if IRS knows that, Chris, what do you think the IRS is going to do? Mm. They're going to increase their chance of an audit. And then who represents you? The box? I mean, anyone who has any complexity at all. I mean, if you own a home, if you have a business, if you own investment uh, real estate, any complexity. If you do your own tax return, you're a matter of in the mad hotter. You should be getting a professional doing the return. I'm a tax lawyer. I don't even do my own tax return. Really? Absolutely.
0: That's, that's that's really fascinating. I would have for sure thought you'd do your own.
1: Well, you ever hear the old saying only a fool is his own lawyer.
0: Mm, good one. Yeah. Okay. But, there yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of scams and slams and shams and and you know, it's confusing. You think you're getting a good deal, you get a little box and fill it out and but you're missing all that. So,
1: You're missing all that. Yeah, that's okay. correct.
0: So why should everyone have a reserve and how how much should it be? What do you what do you think about that?
1: You know, it's interesting. It, most people, and I get reporters, I'm sure you do, get all kinds of people asking you, you know, where should I invest my money? And my first response is what is it you have to invest? And many times they'll say I have a 1000 bucks, I have 2000 bucks, I have 5000 bucks. My next response is do you have a reserve? And usually the first thing they say is what's that? Or, yeah, I do. I have life insurance and my cash value, my life insurance, which is not a reserve, by the way. That's that's beyond belief that they say that. Or I have an IRA of of whatever it is. That's not a reserve either. A reserve is probably the first thing that most people should have from when it comes to an investment perspective. And what it is, it's a risk-free pool of money designed to protect you for several things. One, uh, unanticipated expenses. For example, you you all of a sudden have your roof break or you need a new roof or your heating and air conditioning breaks, which just happened to me, by the way. So unanticipated expenses. Two, large anticipated expenses that you expect within the next two to three years. An example of that would be what? Uh, Tuition, weddings. And number three are unemployment or some uh, living expenses in case something happens to you. The average person takes a year to find a new job, so logic tells me therefore you should have a year's worth of expenses sitting there just in case, or in in some kind of a reserve, just in case you're unemployed. And if you're working for a company that has, like a a private company, you have that possibility. So, again, you want to have uh, enough money for uh, unanticipated expenses. I would say at least 10000 for unanticipated expenses. Number two, you want to have enough money to cover you for anticipated things within the next two to three years. And finally, in case you're going to lose your job, at least, I would say anywhere from six months to a year, preferably a year of living expenses. You know, and by the way, I, I see a lot of people, when you had this big stock market drop, everybody lost their their investment savings for their kids' tuition when the kids are going to college in the next two or three years and they were screaming, ah, I lost my investment savings. First of all, the reserve, remember I said a reserve has to be in a risk-free pool. Now, when I say risk-free, I'm not kidding. Forget about the rate of return. The rate of return is irrelevant. Risk-free means things like money markets. It could be in a savings account, a checking account, your mattress, only kidding. Uh, something that is risk-free. The stock market is not risk-free. Right. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down.
0: Yes.
1: It, it is not risk-free. Even bonds are not risk-free, especially if they're long-term bonds because you can have interest rate fluctuations that kills the value of your bond.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So you want risk-free where well, you can have access to it within, I would say, less than 60 days and complete access without losing a dime. That's what I consider a reserve. For most people, that's going to be a significant amount of money. That's the first thing they should worry about and forget about their rate of return until they get that reserve. Mm
0: -hmm. And you're saying a year?
1: I'd say a year. Now, obviously, it depends on the person. Let's say you have both people working for the federal government. Chances of them losing their job are slim. And the chances of them both losing their job are even slimmer. So they probably don't need a year of reserve. They might only need a few months in that regard. Right. Uh, someone who both works, someone who's the sole wage earner, and who's working for a private company like a federal contractor, where they could lose the contract or they could be laid off, they would need a year for sure. So a lot of it depends on what your situation is. But for a lot of people, I would say at least six months to a year is probably a good, good start. Plus. You should, have, uh, expen- you should have all the savings that you need for ant- large anticipated expenses within the next two years. That includes weddings, tuition, things like that, and uh, and at least for unanticipated expense, and I would say at least 10000 That's to cover things for things like um, sudden medical or um, a roof that needs a new roof or a new heating and air conditioning system or you need a new car all of a sudden. And I said at least 10000 if, I, if If I had my way, it would be more than that too.
0: Right, right. Great. So and you're obviously a firm believer of asset you know protection having your money in safe places where you don't lose your principal and it's accessible, right?
1: So, well, you know, there's there's two different concepts here between asset protection and safety, all right? I am not for if if I at my age, I tend to be more safety oriented of my my collateral, my my investments than if I were in my 20s. For my son to invest the same way a 65-year-old invests would be stupid, because he has 40 years to make it up. If the market goes down, he's got a long time to, to be able to bring it back. Right. So I, I think that someone who is younger, who's in their 20s, in their 30s, maybe even the early 40s, can invest with a more, um, in a little more riskier manner than someone in their in their 60s, for example, or late 50s. Right. there's a little formula that a lot of planners use. I have I modified the formula a little bit. And the formula is take the number 100 to minus your age, and that is the percentage that you can have at risk at the stock market. I'm a little bit uh, – uh, I, I don't know if I'm 100 minus the age. I'm more 110 minus the age.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> okay. So I, I tend to raise that a little bit more. But uh, that's generally the rule of thumb. Uh, you certainly, and the, re, and the reason you always want, at yeah, any age, you always want some money invested in the market is because, you know, there's a, there's a saying called going broke softly, which I say in my book, Achieve Financial Planning uh, uh, Big Time. That it's, I'm sorry, it's going, broke, it's going broke safely. And a good example of going broke safely is very simple. Let's assume you put all your money in completely risk-free investments. You get, you get a 1% savings account, completely risk-free. There's no way you're ever going to lose money there. The problem is that 1% is taxable. So you're, now you're going to pay tax on that 1%, which means you're left with, oh, about 0.6%. If inflation is 2 or 3%, the value of your money is being eaten away by 2 or 3 points every single year. That's an example of going broke slowly. So you've got to make enough to more than offset the effect of inflation, and you've got to take that into account.
0: Right. Good point. So why should everybody start a business?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, and this, that's, that's really the genesis of my other book, Lower Your Taxes Big Time. Mm. We, most people don't realize that we really have two tax systems in this country. And when I say that, I, I'll bet you 99% of the people listening to this first say, sure, one for rich and one for poor. And that's really not true. It's close, but it's not true. There's one to make you rich, and there's one to make you poor. The one to make you poor is the one designed for employees because you are taxed on dollar one and you don't you don't get that many deductions as an employee. Uh, And and really, uh, if you're if you if you do get an employee expense deduction, it's got to exceed a high threshold threshold. But if you are self-employed, well, that's the one to make you rich. Because self-employed people can deduct everything that an employee can write off, plus they can write off part of their house, their spouse, the equivalent of their kids' education and weddings. I'm not exaggerating, by the way, when I say that. They can set up a pension plan that makes any government plan look small by comparison, like a defined benefit plan. I mean, there's just all kinds of things self-employed people can do. They don't lose the deductions. They're not taxed on dollar one. They get to take all the deductions, unlike that of an employee, before the government gets one dime of tax. There's no threshold. They have to exceed in order to take deductions. I mean, self-employed people get tremendous benefits that, uh, that uh, employees don't get. And a lot of times people ask me, Chris, well, why? And the answer, the answer is really simple. It's, there's, really three, there's really one big reason the government knows that from small acorns come big trees. I don't know if you ever heard that saying before.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: Apple, Apple Computer didn't start with 200,000 employees. It started out of Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs' garage. Uh, uh, Amazon, the big internet marketing giant, started out of Jeff Bezos' garage. Mattel right. started out of a garage. So the government knows by subsidizing small business, they are creating an, an incubation. For jobs. That is why the United States had one of the fastest growing economies in the world and still is one of the biggest economies in the world, because we create jobs. And the minute we are starting, which we're starting to do right now, to be un- business unfriendly, that is what will kill this com- country, and that's what will make that sucking sound that Ross Perot was, um, <laughs> was, was, was. People used to make fun of him, but that's exactly what's going on.
0: It is what's going on, exactly so important for people to get that. You know, you you know you're such an important part of planning and I really think that someone everybody should have this component before they even begin to think about the planning because it's so significant to know. For those of you that just tuned in, you're listening to Ready Set Retire, my special guest Sandy Bodkin. He has the great books you've got to get a hold of Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time and Lower Your Taxes Big Time. And Sandy, tell them, where, where do they want to go to get these books?
1: Okay, both Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time and Lower Your Taxes Big Time can be gotten in a couple places. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to any bookstore. You can go to uh, a website we set up that will integrate to Amazon called books.sandybotkin, B-O-T-K-I-N, Books dot sandybotkin dot com, and that will get you probably the best pricing around, uh, or any other bookstore for that matter. I mean, it's, it's a published work, and that's how they get those books. Uh, if you are self-employed and you keep track of your expenses, I recommend that you also get our expense tracking software. We have special application for smartphones iPhone, Android, and iPad, and Android tablets, to keep track of your expenses. Have all the tax questions that IRS requires. It also has an integrated camera to keep uh, have pictures of the receipts, and everything gets stored on the web, by the way, so you know, if you lose your phone, you don't lose your data. But interestingly enough, it has an integrated mileage tracker with a GPS system, so it will automatically keep track of your mileage between business and personal. You uh, don't have to worry about that. You just turn it on, and it will automatically give the beginning address, ending address, and all the other good things. So you can get that with our our website, TaxBot, T-A-X-B-O-T, that's with a B as in Botkin, taxbot.com. Uh, you can get it at half price. Normally, it's nineteen ninety five a month, but you get it at half price with the coupon code SAVE50, S-A-V-E-5-O. If you do that, you get it at half price.
0: Great. That's Awesome. Well, everybody, you've got to get this. And what? So, should they read the Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time first, then the Lower Your tax?
1: It depends. If there's, if the, yeah, I would, I would read Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time first. There's a lot of things in there from scams to what mortgage to get, what insurance to get, how to evaluate the right insurance for you. Uh, you know why you need to understand compound interest and, and what you need to look for. Uh, there's just lots of things. Retirement planning. <clears throat> then I would read. Lower your taxes big time, particularly if you are self-employed. If you have a self-employed business, lower your taxes big time is very critical because it will save thousands and thousands of dollars in your taxes. It's kind of hard to say which you should read first, but I would would do both.
0: All right. Well, i got my homework in front of me here.
1: Yeah.
0: For for those that are listening, my name is Chris Miller, and I'm the host of this show, and you can reach out to me at readyforpretirement.com. I've got a free article, The Three Myths of Financial Planning there. You can go over and and grab that, and you can also get a copy of my book on my website or over on Amazon, Ready for pre retirement? Plan retirement early so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it, so you got to do what he's talking about here. This is really important. What what kind of scams and slams and shams should people be aware of? I, we could, oh, yeah.
1: I got a whole chapter on this. I mean, we can make an entire show on this stuff. Let's, I mean,
0: yeah, we should do a show just. Now, yeah.
1: I can give a, just a couple that I, a little overview here. First sure. of all, let me let me mention a couple of things here. Sure. I never realized how widespread illegal activities are becoming. Don't let anybody fool you and say crime doesn't pay. Unfortunately, it pays, and it pays very, very well, particularly if those people get caught or don't get caught, which they usually do, but they don't, they don't feel that way. Yeah. And many of these people are not in the United States. Many of them are in Eastern Europe or in other countries, so it's very difficult to catch them. Uh. There's, you've got to be, There are people who are having their life savings wiped out. Somebody steals your identity, they can buy a car in your name, they can wipe out your bank account, they can kill your credit, they can, t- they can take out loans and buy property and do all kinds of crazy stuff. File tax returns in your name and get refunds. There's lots of crazy stuff in today's electronic era. And you have to become very cognizant and very aware and very defensive because it can happen and it probably will happen to you at some point in your life.
0: Well, what do you do? I mean, how do you be aware? What
1: do you, all right. First of all, there's a couple things you need to do. I'm going to give you guys, everyone who's listening, and we can have a whole show on this in terms of the types of scams and okay, what's we around. Will. We can spend we a will. long time on this. But let me, give you, uh, some, let me give you five or six suggestions as what you can do okay. to minimize the impact on these things and minimize your exposure. First of all, you need to understand you're never going to get rid of... The, of people trying to scam you. It's never going to happen. Just like you can never stop people who want to sue you in this country. If they want to sue you, they can't. Whether they have a case or not is another story, but they can. So you want to limit your exposure, which is the bottom line. So number first thing you want to do is common sense. For example, no one, especially the government, will ever call you to get personal information, such as your Social Security number, credit card number, ever. If anyone calls you, you don't give that to them under any circumstances, no matter who they say they are. And that's also true for charity. A lot of charities, people are calling saying, I'm representing a charity to get charitable solicitation over the phone. You never do that with a credit card or give them a bank account. Never. Right. All right. That's number one. Number two, if you have any documents with personal data on it, such as social security numbers and credit card numbers, if you don't absolutely 100% need it, shred it. Don't keep it around. That's the second thing. Third thing, always get a credit monitoring service. A credit monitoring service is a service that will track your credit, track when people take out loans in your name and so on. There's a number of credit monitoring services. There's LifeLock, there's MyFICO, There's freecreditreport.com. There's a number of them. But you want to get at least one, and maybe even two, credit monitoring services. I I cannot overstate the importance of that. It doesn't cost much, and it's worth getting because it alerts you to a lot of things. Number four, and this is something, the four and five are going to be something you can do that will be free and will save you enormous potential, and 99% of the population don't even know this exists. There are three major credit bureaus. One is TransUnion. The second is Equifax. And third is Experion. Experion. TransUnion, Equifax, and Experion. All of them have the ability for you to place what is known as a fraud alert on your credit. A fraud alert is generally a 90-day watch. So that if anybody takes out a loan in your name... It'll make it harder for them to get the loan, and you will be notified if somebody tries to do that. It's called a fraud alert. The price is free. You All you have to do is contact any one of these three companies, TransUnion, Equifax, or Experion, any of the three. They'll do it for each other once you do it on one of them. I use TransUnion. You might want to use one of the others. I don't really care. And then you can you can call them up. Or you, and they'll tell you how to do it on their website, you can usually do it on the website, it is free, it is easy, it is simple, it's not a hassle, but you have to do it every 90 days. I guess these, these, they didn't like people doing it and keeping it on, so they, they lobbied Congress to make sure that they don't have to do it past 90 days. So every 90 days, you've got to place this thing on. I do it all the time, I put it in my appointment calendar, and I make sure I do it every 90 days. Wow. It's very important. Right.
0: I just had my purse stolen. I'm going to do that
1: right away. There you go. Now, here's the final thing you can do. All credit cards themselves, the credit vendors, I'm talking MasterCard, Visa, American Express, Discover, all the credit cards, have their own fraud alert where they have a a special alert so that if somebody tries to buy something without showing the card, they will alert you. It's a special kind of an alert. What you have to do is you have to call up each of your credit card vendors. Unfortunately, there's no one place you can go to. You have to do it with each credit card that you have. Right. And then you want to call them up and tell them, I want to set up a fraud alert. You only need to do it once. Once it's set up, it's set up forever. And in case anybody charges something that's without showing your, the card, and they usually do that on the Internet, you will get an alert sent to your email. You just set it up once for each card. You don't have to do it like the normal fraud alert with the big bureaus. Every 90 days here, you just do it once. Again, it is free. It doesn't cost you anything. And they will alert you uh, if anybody tries to use your card on, uh, without showing it. And the final thing you want to do is you want to make a copy. And LifeLock has a good way of doing this. They have, you can do it on LifeLock's website if you want, but you don't need to use LifeLock. You can make copies of it. You want to make a copy of your front and back of all credit cards. So in case your wallet or purse is stolen or somebody steals your credit card, you can cancel it quickly and you'll know exactly what it is you have. The vast majority of people, in my opinion, don't know exactly what they have and they certainly don't remember exactly which vendor they have, they should call for the credit cards if it gets stolen. So by having front and back copies and put it in a very safe place, like a safe deposit box, you don't want to have it in your house in case your house gets burglarized, that will really help you tremendously avoid identity theft and fraud. And I want to mention one other thing that's recently going on that you ought to be aware of. In my neighborhood, crooks are doing what is known as um, mailbox surfing. What they're doing, and I bet many of you do the same thing, you put your mail in your mailbox and you raise the flag so that the postman can pick up the mail, very simple. What crooks are doing is they see this flag and they, they use that flag by going to your mailbox and opening up your outgoing mail. Oh. By doing that, they, many times they find credit card numbers and other personal identification stuff. Not to mention, your vendor doesn't get paid.
0: Oh dear.
1: Don't be lazy. Take the mail to the post office or go to a mailbox. Don't leave it in the front of your house with the flag up.
0: Oh, boy, I've had that feeling when I put the flag up, definitely.
1: You you had the right feeling.
0: Yeah, it was like, I, yeah, this is like, here I am, come and get me, and I just put a big check in there or something.
1: Yep. Ugh. If you follow all my advice, all the things I mentioned, you will substantially reduce identity theft and substantially reduce your, your normal types of scams or other scams that we can get into, but you will substantially prevent a lot of problems.
0: Wow, that's good stuff, Sandy. I'm, I'm writing all this down. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Well, well we will have a whole show on scams, slams and shams. That's good stuff. So, okay. So, what's what's the best way to not only reduce the chance of an audit, but lower your costs of an audit and give you some peace of mind, not worrying about the IRS?
1: Well, you know, if you want to be, first of all, you want to reduce your chance of audit, you don't do your own tax return. That's the first thing you don't want to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's the dumbest thing I can imagine. Unless you have such a simple return, you're just yeah. working for – you're, you're you're like biggie-sizing something. And you just get an employee check, and you get nothing else. You have no complexity whatsoever. Right. Okay? Yeah. Now, secondly, that's the first thing. The second thing you want to do is you want to always make sure that the government gets your tax return, which means that you want to send it in either electronically, which I recommend very strongly – or send it so that it's tracked, like Federal Express, okay? This way, by making sure they get the return, the chances of uh, being audited are greatly reduced. Now, a couple other things that you wanna do to to reduce your chance of an audit. Uh, You also want to uh, make sure your return is readable and neat. I had a friend that thought that if they can't read the return, they won't audit him. That is, that is baloney. You wanna make sure it's very readable and very, very neat. You wanna report all of your income. IRS has a nice new computer system that they're, that they're taking all the income that you're supposedly receiving, that they get 1099s on, and they're matching it to your tax return. If the return doesn't match, you're invited for a chat. So you want to make sure that whatever your 1099 say, you at least report all that income. Very, very important. If the 1099, now, what do you do if the 1099s are wrong? You still report it. But then what you do is you attach a schedule as backing out what's where the error is and explaining it on a schedule. So that's another very important thing. You want your return to be prepared by a competent tax preparer. Now, what's a competent tax preparer? A competent tax preparer is either a CPA, an enrolled agent, that's a person who passes a tough exam with the IRS, a former IRS uh, agent, or a tax attorney of some type. Any of those four. You don't want your insurance guy doing, or your gal, doing your tax return. You want someone who's a professional. You want someone who's honest, and you want someone who's aggressive. You don't want an accountant that's not going to give you deductions, because if they're too timid, you'll lose the, – if they're legitimate with deductions, and the accountant's timid, you'll lose thousands. So you want an aggressive accountant, but you want an honest one. IRS finds out about these dishonest people, and they audit every single person that accountant prepared. And the final thing is if you have any big-ticket items, and there are a number of expenses that can be big-ticket, large legal fees. If your house is destroyed by a disaster and you're not covered by insurance, you could deduct that as a casualty loss. If you have large medical, a lot of these things tend to trigger an audit, but there's a way to reduce that. And the way you reduce it is break down any large-ticket items in a separate schedule attached to your tax return. You're allowed to attach anything you want. So if you have a big-ticket item, you can attach it, explain it, and the chances of being audited are reduced. So I'll give you a good example, Chris. Um, let's say I were to tell you that I had $25,000 of dental in one year. Now, does that sound pretty high to you? Yeah. Of course it does, and I'd probably be audited. Now, what if I told you it involved orthodontia for three of my children, surgery for myself and for my wife, and I paid it all in one year. Now, does it sound as high? No. What did I just do?
0: You itemized
1: it. That's exactly right. And that's what you need to do on big-ticket items. You need to attach a schedule explaining the big-ticket item, itemize it, and your chances of being audited for that item are greatly reduced.
0: That's valuable information, Sandy. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, You don't read this stuff anywhere, do you? And you certainly don't get it in TurboTax or Microsoft Money.
0: (laughs) No. I think you need to have your own university. And, I mean, this is like such essential information.
1: Well, essentially I am. I'm a traveling teacher. That's why I write books and I have the tax reduction institute. I have all these videos and audios and things like this and that you know, I am an essential my o'c my, my own university. <laughs>
0: it is you are. You know, it's fascinating because everybody's taught to you go to school, you learn how to make money, you make money, you get out of school, and what do you do? You don't know what to do and you go to a financial planner you don't trust. What does he do? He gambles your money. You know, and then I've seen, that's what I've seen my clients. And
1: actually school is even worse than that. School is you go to school and what they tell you to do is to get a job. And that's actually the worst thing you should do. What you should be doing is looking around and see what you can start up as a self-employed individual.
0: There you go. Exactly.
1: To me, starting up a business is much, much better than trying to go, you know, fight for the few little dollars they give you in a job. And and many times with a self-employed business, if you do it right and you have enough drive, you can make more than enough money. So you don't have to worry and work for that boss, which is spelled backwards: double S O B.
0: I like that. That's good. Exactly. And there, it seems to be a big trend. I'm actually seeing it. But it seems to be really a lot of women are, you know, re, every people are recreating themselves, and they're actually trying to get out of their eight to five.
1: Well, well you know why that is. There's a couple reasons for that. One is they're, they're very frustrated with that 9-to-5, 8-to-5 situation, and the right. commute and all the other stuff. Right. Women in particular, uh, and the reason for women is that by having a side business, there's no glass ceiling. They don't have to worry about discrimination. They don't have to worry about some boss may, you know, making unwanted advances and, make, and having a hostile work environment, right. and they can do what they want, and they are in 100% control. And that's why you see a lot of women, particularly in network marketing, uh, having businesses. And there's not just women, a lot of, you know, I I can tell you, you know, as a tax lawyer, you know, you think most people who are successful business owners, they just, they were like uh, Bill Gates. They they knew what they wanted. They had an idea and they went for it. You know what? The vast majority of people who are successful, self-employed people didn't have a clue at first. They didn't just start up, say, I want to start up this business. I'll tell you what happened to them. They got fired or they got laid off or they got incredibly frustrated with something at work which sort of forced them to start up a business. And then, and I would say the majority of successful businesses in this country are as a result of one of those situations, believe it or not.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense. It does. Well, you know, what do you say to the people? And this I get this so much when I'm talking about, you know, you guys that are like 20 and 30 start saving. What do you mean start saving? We can barely even pay our rent. Or, you know, everybody's got some reason why they can't have one less latte or... Or they—they're barely making it. And
1: you know, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, 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 like it's it. funny that you you mention this. I'll give you a couple of, of of interesting things. First of all, you know, I, I wrote a whole article about college. I'm—I'm—I I'm have a, I guess, a fanatic belief, and in many ways, I, I write a lot of stuff for forums about why you should not be spending a lot of money on 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 debt. And you should not be taking out a lot of debt for your dream school, and if you have to take out a lot of debt, you shouldn't go to that school and i and i I go on and on about this and i first the first thing that people need to understand as young people is is under no circumstances should you be taking a substantial indebtedness for undergraduate education in many cases, that could reduce your actual opportunities. You know I met someone who went to n y u for film school now everybody believes that n y u and Yale are probably in u s c are probably the three top film schools in the United States. The problem is, this poor person had to take out all kinds of loans and had one hundred and ten thousand dollars of debt by the time he got out. To make it in the film industry, many times you have to work as an intern, which is usually either unpaid or very low paid. Because he had one hundred and ten thousand dollars in debt, they couldn't make it. They couldn't work as an intern. Therefore, they actually reduced their chance of making it in the film industry. Oh no! It worked against them. Now, a lot of times people ask me, how much debt is too much debt? And I'm going to tell you something I'll bet that no one has ever read before. You've never heard this before, okay? And here's my answer as a CPA. Most student loan indebtedness tends to have a high interest rate because of of the risk that's involved. I mean, these people have no credit. So it tends to be about 8%. If you deduct the interest when you get out, you're only allowed to deduct $2,500 a year in student loan interest. Well, if you divide that by 8%, that translates to about a 30,000, somewhere between a 30 and $40,000 loan. Anything beyond that, you won't be able to deduct the interest. So my suggestion is that student loan debt for undergraduate education should not exceed 30 to $40,000. And if you're in a situation going if you're thinking about going to a school where that is going to be the case, where you're going to have substantially more than that, you need to rethink that school. If that means going to a community college for the first two years, so be it. But you need to rethink that. Student loan debt is a very bad form of debt. It's very hard to get rid of unless you're working for the Peace Corps or something like this. And in many cases and in almost many cases, it's it's almost it's almost impossible to discharge in bankruptcy. It can be done if you can show extreme hardship, like maybe you were disabled and you couldn't work, but other than that circumstance, it's almost impossible to discharge in bankruptcy. So the first, first thing is for young kids, when I talk to them is get, do not get a lot of student loan debt. That's the first thing. Most parents don't, and the second thing is if you're a parent, don't guarantee your kid's debt. That is the next time bomb waiting to go off. I was reading somewhere that 50% – I'm loaded with all these crazy statistics, by the way. 50% of all people graduating from college are either unemployed or underemployed. When a parent guarantees a loan and that kid can't make the payment, guess who's on the hook?
0: Yeah, mom and dad.
1: You got it. Yeah. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen is for a parent to guarantee a loan and compromise their retirement. It is horrible. And it, and let me tell you, this is a kicking bomb for a lot of parents it is it is something you don't do if the kid can't get the loan go somewhere cheaper go to a community college have the kids work during summers and internships but don't be stupid so that's the first thing that I want to start off with okay get don't get that debt now unfortunately some kids are already in that there's not much I can do about that and that raises the next point how do you save money and I get that all the time I'm you know I, I'm I'm renting an apartment. The apartment is in an expensive area. It's about $2000 a month. Uh, you know, I'm only making 50,000 a year. I got to pay taxes on the deal. You know, how do you save money? And that's a major problem. All right, let me give you a couple of suggestions. And you are absolutely right. You know, first first of all, there's a couple of things I think people need to understand that really makes a difference. And that is There's a difference between what I call a need and a want. They need to really, really understand what that is. A need is something you must have. For example, if you're going to a job, you have to have a car to get there, unless you're lucky enough to live near the train station. Right. But you don't need a Mercedes. You might need new clothes or a new suit for the job. You, but that doesn't mean you can't go to Nordstrom or a new dress. But you can't. That doesn't mean you have to go to Nordstrom when Nordstrom Rack will do the same thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. That. So the first thing is you got to ask yourself: Is it a need or is it a want? And that's something that, that, that's the first thing you got to ask yourself. Okay. The next thing, in order to save money, is another secret, and it and it's it's. It's something that people don't realize, but it's true. You can have almost anything you want in life. I know people who don't realize that. You can. You just can't have everything. <laughs> it's kind of like the buffet. If you eat everything at the buffet, you get fat. If you pick and choose, you're okay. Right. You, you got to make choices in life. You want to eat out every single day? Fine. You just won't have any money for your kid's education.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> so you've got to make choices. So the bottom line is, you can have anything you want, you just can't have everything. Number three, pay yourself first. It is, I recommend very strongly that you put away, and I'm gonna show you how to do this, 10% of what you make, and that can be in IRAs, 401ks, but 10% and learn to live on the other 90%. Pay yourself first. I can't say that enough time. That's a major aspect of my book, Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. Finally, you really, really, really need to track your spending for at least three months. There is no way you're going to get control on the spending if you don't track it. There's no way. There are plenty of expense trackers out there. There's TaxBot, which I have, which is more designed for self-employed for their taxes. But there are expense trackers just to keep track of your expenses. You will be shocked. I'm shocked. I did it myself. You will be shocked at what you're spending money on if you track everything you're spending on your credit card and anything you pay cash for. You will be shocked. You'll be shocked at how much that latte costs. You'll be shocked at how much you spend on cigarettes. You'll be shocked at what you spend on, on nonsense. You really would be. Yep. Absolutely. But you can't control it if you don't track it. And that's uh, what I call the rich banker secrets for saving for retirement. It's got to be controlled. All right. Now, once you do all of those things, there are some ways you can save money. And I have a whole bunch of them in my book, Achieve Financial Freedom, Big Time. But let me just give you just a couple of the of the more salient things. You know, I go many times, I, I can't speak for you, Chris, but I go out to a store and I might use cash. Maybe I give 20 bucks and I get some change. What do people do? They take the change, they put it in their pockets. What I do is all the change that I get, maybe not the dollar bills, but the change, I put into a little piggy bank. A little, I, we have, I have a, uh, a can that I put the money in. And surprisingly, at the end of the month, I end up putting about 20 to $25 in loose change in that little can. Yeah. You do at the end of the year, that's $300. Right. Just putting away loose change. Here's another thing that's done. Uh, you know, I, I get... Um, I have various pills that I unfortunately get for cholesterol and triglycerides, whatever. And I was getting... Um, 20 milligrams of of cholesterol pills. It was, it was for 90 days, and they charged me a certain amount of money. So here's what I said to the doctor. I want you to give me a prescription for 180 days. No, well, no, no, it wasn't 180. For the same 90 days, I couldn't get 180. But I want you to double the prescription. Instead of 20 milligrams, wherever it was, make it 40. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I bought a pill splitter, and I cut the pill in half. Now I take half the pill one day, and half the pill the other day it lasts me 180 days for the exact same price of 90 days okay Yeah. you can do that with a lot of pills right. from cancer pills to other things okay yeah. uh, do you if you do you know if you do some work around the home you know a lot of times you you people instead of paying somebody to mow your lawn you can do it you can clean the house instead of hiring someone that saves a lot of money Shop at used clothing and consignment stores. Again, there's that difference between a need and a want. Do you really need something that looks, that came from Nordstrom's or can a used clothing store that looks very, very good do the same? Same thing is true with a lot of things. Turn down the water heater. I don't know if you know this. For every one degree that you raise it in the summer or for every one degree you lower the air conditioning in the winter, you save 8% of your utility bills. Just one degree. Okay. And there's many, many other things. Insulation to your home will save you a lot of energy. Solar uh, panels and solar things can give you a tremendous tax credit and save you a lot of energy. Uh, You can shop at eBay and Amazon, which would save you a lot of money. I bought, for example, a vacuum cleaner. Uh, I bought a um, a vacuum hose, uh, which I was quoted $279 for my vacuum cleaner. I found the exact same brand-new hose on Amazon and the Internet for $179. I saved $100 buying the hose. Right. Okay?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Get a vacuum sealer to store items so leftover food will last much longer and you'll have less waste. Always seek out frequent eater plans at restaurants. If you like to eat out, get a frequent eater plan. At least it'll, you can save money that way. Right. Okay? There's, a lot, there's just a lot of things you can do. All right? Brown bagging it for work. Instead of eating out, would be even cheaper. I mean, there are things you can do. Do you really need that latte? In fact, here's something that's, that's really interesting. I think I did an analysis. I think it's in my compounding chapter. It was really interesting. If you save that latte, now what does a latte cost? It was like $4.69 or something like that
0: yeah.
1: a day. It doesn't sound like much. $4.69 a day, which is about $22 a week. If you save that latte and instead put that money in an average performing mutual fund for 40 years, same $4.60. It, and I don't have the number in front of me, but it was somewhere between thirty and $60,000 at retirement. Wow. <laughs> oh <my laughs> just that, just cool. that latte.
0: I'm going to look that up. That's in your book, right?
1: Yeah, somewhere in the book. I, mean, I, I don't remember where I did with it, but it's, it's an incredible number. Oh. <laughs> it, it totally blew me away. Wow. Or you can use that to prepay your debt, which yeah. is another good place to put money, I actually like that better than yeah. I do investing it in the market. Prepay your okay. debt, get out of debt sooner, especially if you have a, de- a high interest rate.
0: Right. Are, are you? Are do you sense the feeling that the whole bottom is going to fall out any second on everything? I mean, I'm not a gloom and doom kind of a person, but it's...
1: A- well, you know, you're, you're asking me my crystal ball, and my crystal ball is broken, so I really can't tell you what's going to happen. Okay. But Certainly, I'm a strong believer in buying low and selling high, and the stock market has an all- time high, yeah, right, so it seems to me that I should be lightening up and every time I keep wanting to do that my my financial people tell me, "No, no, you want to stay in, but i you know i always i the more it gets this way, the more I want to sell out part of the things that I have i must tell you, i'm I'm very much into that. Do I feel I should get out completely? No, but I do think people should lighten up, yes, I do. Uh, do I think the whole world's gonna fall out in the hell in a handbag basket? No. I think the American economy is very resilient. I think we are one of the greatest countries in the world, and I think, you know, we're fine in the long run.
0: Okay. Well, Sandy, we've got a, a little bit of time left and maybe you could but you just give us such great information here. And maybe you could give us a little cherry on the top of what what you'd want to share with everybody here.
1: Well, you know, I I think it's very important that it, there's so many things. I mean, it's like saying, you know, tell me in 20 words or less uh, what's important in life. <laughs> yeah, <tell me laughs> you know, the bottom line is that there's you know there's an old saying: if if you if if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. You know, Jim Rohn is a very famous guy. He used to have a lot of quotes, and I used to do a lot of work with him. And he said, if you don't plan, then somebody and you're then you're going to be living somebody else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you which is not much. not much. And the bottom line is there's lots of people out there who are out to get you, get you in terms of high commissions, get you in terms of scams. I mean, the IRS just published the top dirty tax scams, and one of them is identity theft. That's become a huge deal. Um, here's one that that's just came out, something that, that actually happened to me. I actually, somebody actually, I, word for word, gave me the scam. I was out following along, in fact. I was aware of it. It was a recent Mastercard scam that was published by Mastercard, but they're doing it with other credit cards. Remember, I mentioned uh, about uh, people are doing surfing of their of mailbox surfing, where they're getting information from your mailbox, and they have and they find your credit card number, and they certainly have your address because they got your mailbox, and they have your name. So here's what they're doing. Here's the scam. You might wonder, well, what what else do they need? Let me show you what they do. They call you up. And they say, hello, my name is so-and-so. I'm with the Visa or MasterCard Fraud Division. Did you order a $497 telemarketing machine for your phone? And, of course, you say no. In my case, they changed it a little bit. In my case, they said a $3,000 plane ticket to Paris. But similar, it's almost the same wording. And you'll say no. And, of course, you'll, you're immediately suspect if somebody's calling you and they say, okay, great, we're going to give you a credit. I want you to write this number down. We're actually going to give you a credit on on your on your Visa card for that amount. We've been watching this company, and anyone charging under 500 they try to charge under $500 to get around the banking laws. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to call the back of your, uh, the fraud department, the back found above your credit card. Now, we want to make sure, by the way, that you are uh, – who you are so what we're going to do is we're going to read the credit card to you we don't want that information from you we just want you to verify this is the correct number and they read the credit card number to you they want to verify your address are you still at the following address and of course you say yes so now they're reading it to you your 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 guard is down now we want to make sure here's where the scam comes in we want to make sure the card is in your possession so please take out the card to prove that it's in your possession and just read the security code on the back of the card. Oh. Or the American Express, they'll ask you for the four digits in the front of the card. That's what they're after. Wow. After you give them that information, they thank you. And they say, well, you will get the credit within one month. If you have any questions again, please call the number in the back of your credit card. Thank you. And then they start charging like mad. Boy. And And let me tell you, these scammers have no morality none they don't know you and they don't care and I'll give you an example of this lack of morality I mean Madoff is a good example a lot of times people ask how could Madoff do what he did let me share with you the insight let me share with you why he did what he did there was a guy who's very famous by the name of Erwin Schiff Erwin Schiff what made him famous was that he came out with all kinds of nonsense arguments as to why you don't have to pay taxes And that's one, by the way, one of the things IRS mentioned, the top dirty tax scams, called frivolous tax arguments. And he would say all kinds of things like taxes haven't been codified correctly, they're unconstitutional, only federal employees pay taxes, lots of nonsense that he gives. And he sold all kinds of tapes and books, and he made a lot of money doing it. Eventually, Irwin Schiff, by the way, was indicted. He's in jail right now. If you want to see Irwin, you can go visit him in prison. Well, there was one person who got into a lot of trouble following Irwin Schiff's advice. And he asked Erwin Schiff, well, how can you say these things? And Erwin Schiff's answer, I'll never forget the answer he gave, was written up, and I never forgot this. He said, how could you believe everything I said? These people have, they, they, they get off scamming you. They do. They, they they get off on it. They don't care. And they have no morality whatsoever. And that's why Madoff did what he did.
0: And, and, and they're just their conscience is seared
1: with an iron. There's nothing there, right? It's Correct. No, they, it's not. There's nothing there. They feel better about it.
0: They feel better.
1: They actually feel better. They feel good about themselves. They feel more. They feel empowered when they can scam you. You're the idiot, and they're the better person. That's the way they think. I mean, yeah. you're talking a true sociopath. Yeah. And there are plenty of people out there out to get you. Yeah. Particularly, by the way, if you are elderly, and particularly if you're a recent immigrant in this country. There seems to be a real effort to get those two types of people.
0: So that's the first thing you said to everybody. Don't give any information out, period. That's
1: That's correct.
0: Over the the phone.
1: That's correct. You know, there's an old saying. It was true many years ago. It's true today. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Okay? Okay. Tax planning, estate planning, financial planning, the actual cost. And I've had planners charge fees. My my philosophy is the actual cost of doing this stuff is much less than the cost of not doing it. You can pay pennies on the dollar or you can pay the whole dollar. Which would you prefer? Right.
0: Right. Wow. Well, you know, it's it's really amazing, and and there's so much to cover here, and we're definitely going to have to come back and do the scams and the shams, and I want to talk about college and paying yourself first, and, boy,
1: oh, well, We have lots of things. We can talk about mortgages, types of mortgages, how to evaluate insurance and life insurance and how much mm-hmm. you should have and how to get out of debt once you have a lot of debt. And uh, we I mean, we got a whole bunch of stuff, evaluating, investing, what are the top 10 tips on investing and, and what to look for and, and evaluating nursing homes and independent living facilities and estate planning and probate planning. I mean, there's a lot. To, and in fact, I even have a chapter on how to get in-state tuition for out-of-state kids. And, you know, there's a lot to know. And I admit it's a lot to know. But, you know, if you can put thousands in your pocket, it's probably the best time you'll ever spend. Right. That's why it's so important to get my books, Lower Your Taxes Big Time and achieve financial freedom big time because it will make your entire life a lot less taxing.
0: (laughs) That's great, Sandy. As always, you've uh, provided us with such amazing information. I want to encourage everybody to go get these books. I am actually going to read your books. Who has time on airplanes, right?
1: Right. (laughs) That's that's what I did. I read a lot on the planes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the best time. That's right. Again, everybody can go to to your site your your sandy botkin or your tax go
1: to go to books dot com to get the books books.sandybotkin.com dot com dot okay. com you can get both books you can go to my tax reduction institute site to get my audios and videos and if you're interested in our expense tracker, especially if you're self-employed, go to taxbot.com. and don't forget to put in the code save s a v e five o save fifty
0: all right. Well, thank you so much for all these gifts, Sandy, and we'll look forward. We've got a lot of shows ahead of us and and a lot of good things to share with everybody. Again, this is Chris Miller, and you can reach out to me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at com and you can get um my free book, um free article on my site. Sandy, it's really been a pleasure talking with you. There's so much to share and really appreciate you.
1: Well, I'm I, it's been my honor. I I like what you're doing and hopefully you can keep that up. To keep helping people to have a retirement instead of instead of having to live on dog food, which I'm which some people in Miami have been having to do.
0: I I've, I've actually had clients come in and tell me that they were on peanut butter and jam because their stockbroker didn't pay any attention to their money and that's right it, it was and and I'm just seeing too much of it that's actually why I just took my business and put it in a book because I'm trying to reach millions of people because there's so many people about to go off the cliff so this is so important and, and yep. everything you're talking about are amazing tips for people I really really want to thank you for what you're doing and look forward to talking again me too all righty, you will have a beautiful rest of your day.
1: Well, same to you, Chris.
0: All right, we'll talk soon.
1: That sounds great.
0: Bye Bye-bye. bye. Okay, bye Bye-bye.
2: bye. I matter. Found out you can't take a curve at eighty-five. My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions Raised across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I say Any souls Was I worried about my own Was I haunted by The things I never did Did I embrace each day With faith, hope, and laughter Did I matter Did did, did I matter From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I say Any souls, was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did did I matter? I hope I can be a voice of inspiration And my story finds you well Cause when the curtain falls There ain't no second chances And you don't wanna ask yourself Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save?